Good morning, everyone. My name is G. Great to have you this morning. Welcome, all those who will be watching us online. Um, I, have a, I have something to uh, ask all of you to do. Get your phone out, okay? I rarely do this, but if I'm telling you to do this, it means something, right? Grab your phone. Register for the man and woman's event. <laughs> Simple enough, okay? Christianity, again, you know, this faith walk is never meant to be done alone. Matter of fact, I can prove to you, by the end of this sermon, you will probably agree, okay? That's, you have to listen to the entire sermon to understand that, but uh, it's very important for you to connect with other men, uh, other women, so that we can actually have a community uh, together, okay? Uh, I would like to jump right into the scripture. Uh, open your Bible this morning to Genesis chapter 19. We're going to read, uh, and then we'll... Uh, Study the word together. Genesis chapter 19. We're going to read the entire chapter, so follow along. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you, any, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angel urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife, 
and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight. And you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now the city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning these things also in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have been spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Verse 25. So he overthrew those cities, all the plains, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. This is the word of the Lord. Bible is not a collection of good stories. Bible is not a collection of feel-goods. Bible is not just about your well-being. Bible is a story of God and the human history, how God in His mercy and grace created the entire universe and created the mankind, and we rebel against God and fall. And then God's plan of redemption, and then new creation. This is the entire story of the Bible. Now, as I was probably reading the portion of the scripture today, I'm assuming that majority of you heard these words were very uncomfortable. Matter of fact, as I was preparing this message, I felt uncomfortable for you. Because I know this is a portion of scripture that rarely talked about on the pulpit. But coming to a Bible-based church, Christ-centered church, when we are studying the Bible, we're not going to skip through, guys. 
We're going to make sure that you get the entire portion of the scripture, even the things that we may be uncomfortable to. So last week, Pastor Chris preached this wonderful sermon about God blessing Abraham and his descendants, promising to Sarah that they will have a child, the promised kid. It's a great story. It's a great blessing. But there is a two-part in this story. See, the mission was not just come by Abraham and Sarah. There was another mission. In a way, they were on their way. And their eyes was fixated on Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, It says, the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. This word outcry will appear over and over and over throughout the verses that we read and even previous chapters. It makes us to think what is actually happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. What could it be that the outcries has reached the ear of our Lord? So much so he's willing to come down and visit this place to see for himself if the outcry is true. Proceeding from that portion of the scripture, after the blessing of Abraham and Sarah, there is this moment with Abraham and the Lord. And he actually, God shares his intent for Sodom and Gomorrah, what he's about to do. But this amazing moment, if you ask me, this intimate moment between God and Abraham, where God will reveal his plans to Abraham. And not only that, we see that Abraham, because of their relationship, be able to plead and intercede for the Sodom. And it goes something like this. If there are 50 righteous people in the city, will you destroy it? And God replies, I will not destroy the city if there's 50 righteous persons. Abraham goes again. What if five less and then 40, and 30, and then 20, this interaction. And then finally, the number ends at 10. If there are 10 righteous people, the city will be saved. And I believe this is how the story ended between God and Abraham's interaction. We will come back later in the story because Abraham will appear again. So let's go to the text, chapter 19, verse 1. Now, two angels were sent by God and arrived in Sodom in the evening. It's a full day journey. They finally get to the place, and they arrive, and they arrive to the gate of Sodom. We find Lot at the gate of Sodom. Now, historically, We have found, that scholars believe, and the archaeologists believe, 
The city gates was not just a people where just people just do things. This is an actual location. A lot of times they actually discover markets were there. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel with us, we actually go to this one place called Tel Dan. And they actually discovered the city gate where they recognized this is a whole area was for the markets, where people will come. And but not only that, this is the area where the influential people of that city will come at the end of the day, in the evening, and they will have the elders and, and different people, the pushers and the, the, the cultural warriors will all come here and then talk about the things happening in the city. And so this location where Lot was, was not just a random place, but historically we know that this is a location where the people will meet and discuss a lot of different matter. And so in this place, Lot actually saw these two angels and angel, and then, and then Lot responds and bowed down before him and face to the ground. Very similar to what we see in Abraham in chapter 18. There are parallel how they respond when they see the angel of the Lord. Automatically, they recognize that there's something unique and different about them, and they position themselves as the most humble means, which is face to the ground. Very clear. And Lot asked them to his house to spend night with him. There are two possible reasons that we believe that Lot is inviting to their, to their home. First of all, because I believe Lot recognized these two angels. Just the recognition alone, I believe that Lot recognized or something unique and different about them. Maybe because he was with Abraham for so long, maybe there is some connections there. But there's another reason, which is for the honor. Come under my roof is the Middle Eastern, Near Eastern culture. They take care of anyone who comes there under their roof for the protection, for the lodging, for the food and the feast, it's a good times. And so, that's one reason for the honor's sake. But here is another reason I believe that Lord is inviting them to their home. I believe the reason is quite simple. He knew the wickedness and the people of Sodom, what they will do to these two men. Important before we moving on to the next things, and it is very important for us even think about the story behind the story. As they Lot is meeting these two angels, try to picture what's happening. It's not just Lot and two angels. Remember, it was at the city gate. It's hustle and bustle. People are going in and out all the time. But there are actually a people, the group of people that are meeting, influential people, like I said earlier. They're all meeting together. And you see Lot leaving their circle or conversation, run to these two, starting bow down, inviting them to their home. Yeah, they're watching too. They're watching this event that was taking place in front of their eyes. 
But their approach is quite different, as we will see in coming verses, compared to Lot. Because Lot would invite them and honor them, while the, the people, the men of Sodom, would do the unthinkable. But this is where it all began. In verse 3, Lot insisted strongly. Again, I said earlier, there are two possible reasons. Honor, or they knew he did not want to be attacked by these group of people. And I believe that it's most likely both the reason why Lot invites both uh, them to their home. Verse 4, now before they lay down, after they ate, because Lot will make a good feast, which is a good Middle Eastern hospitality for you. And then Man of Sodom shows up to their door, both old and young, all the people of every quarter surrounded the house. And here's the thing. When they say the words like old and young, what they're really saying is it's a generational. The things they are about to do is a generational. What I mean by that is this is a practice generationally. This is a normal practice. Whether you're old, whether you're young, it's been passed down from back to back, back to back. Easy enough? People from every quarter, everyone shared the same sentiment and wickedness. The entire city was corrupt. And why they are there, which you will find out, which is to do the unthinkable wickedness toward these visitors, toward strangers that are visiting the city, to dehumanize and use them for their own lust. In verse 5, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now, I checked many different translations. I look into many different commentaries. It all means one thing. It all means, carnally means to abuse, sexually abuse them, rape. There's no other way to put it. That was the reality of the Sodom and Gomorrah. But if you ask me, is that because, because of a homosexuality and this thing that the Lord ultimately destroyed the city? I would argue no. I would argue absolutely not. There may be one, but then not the entire reason why God would destroy city, as we will continue to study this verse together. So Lot went out to them, the doorway, shut the door behind them, and say, please, my brothers, or brethren, do not do so wickedly. You see, the second reason I mentioned earlier, he knew these people. Lot knew what type of people the people of Sodom were. And say a very simple thing, please don't do this. These are my guests. They're under my roof. They're under my protection. 
please don't do this, but here is what he offered. His counter offer is I have two daughters who have not known men. Please let, them bring, let me bring them out to you that you may do to them as you wish. I have two daughters. This is unthinkable. This is an absolute travesty of the responsibility of a father. Father's job is to protect the family. We don't see that here. By trading, by giving up the two daughters to do whatever you wish, Lot is doing the same thing what Sodom, men of Sodom, are about to do with his men. Dehumanizing. Becoming an object at best. You can fulfill the means of my longing. You see how crazy it is? It's unthinkable. It's an absolute travesty. There is no other way to put it. And as a father, I was very angry at this person. Godly angry. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Got it. You know, one thing that I recognize is that when you start to compromise, when you compromise your principle, little compromise here, little compromise there, your principle's gone, and you don't even know who you are anymore. It's very destructive when we let go of our principles and values and what we believe for the sake of acceptance, for the sake of liking. I don't know about you, I'm going to be very fun with you. If you think that somehow becoming a Christian is going to make you likable, then you got this wrong. Extremely wrong. If they're going to crucify our Lord on the cross, somehow we're going to we want people to like us for sharing the same message. <laughs> I mean, it's absurd if you even think it that way. Blessed are those who are persecuted, but there's a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you, people persecute you, say all kind of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad, for there is your reward in the kingdom of heaven. Don't compromise your principle. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Protection, honor. And they say, stand back. I do not, it's, it's like saying multiple things here. It's not just stand back. There's underlying story within the story. Stand back means I do not care what you say. I don't respect you as a person. Get out of my face. This one come here. Lot was not even accepted as a part of Sodom. Even though he sit at the city gate, they don't consider him only one of their own. Keep acting as a judge. We will deal worse with you. <laughs> I don't know about you. What can the worst think they can do? What they were about to do with these two angels. 
What? What can possibly that be? I believe it is death, and I think that's where this was going. It's very clear. They pressed hard against the man, Lot, and came near to break down the door. I'm going to go a little fast here. And the man reached out, the angels, and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Cosmic, supernatural intervention, where angel, again, saves Lot. Not a coincidence, Lot needs to rescue a lot. <laughs> yeah, and he needs to get rescued a little bit more later, which you will find. But he needs a lot of rescue. Okay, person with the bad decisions, you usually you know, need to get a lot of rescues. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became wary trying to find the door. I find that very humorous. Like, I don't know about you. I find this very humorous. Think about the grown man trying to find the door. A group of them, not just one. If you one, okay. But just like a group of them, they're all, okay, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I find that very funny. Then the angels tell Lot, have you anyone else there? Do you have anyone else? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. And from here we see the mission, the command has been given from the commander. It's time to destroy the city. And, and from here on out you will see everything moves very fast. Matter of fact, I will tell you, all the events that took in this story is less than 12 hours. Less than 12 hours. Everything will be destroyed, everything will be demolished, everything will be gone by end of this story. Verse 13, we will destroy this place because, again, what's the word? Outcry. What is happening in this city? What can it be so destructive, so depraved, so sinful that God had to come and judge this city? And again, I said earlier, if we think that God is strong, because the cultural warriors will say, well, you know, because God is against homosexuality, and so that's what he's all after. If you think that God is destroying this city because of homosexuality, I think you got it all wrong. There's much more deeper depravity or the sin that is taking place if you're only willing to look for it. Now, if you go to Ezekiel, I'm going to jump ahead here. In Ezekiel chapter 16, 49, matter of fact, you can highlight this, mark it in your Bible. This is what the word of the Lord says. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Here it is. This is why. She and her daughter had a pride, fullness of food. Abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Does it anything say about single thing that destroy, that God destroys city? No. It's the spirit. It's the spirit behind of the city. What the people have become, pride, abundance of food, an abundance of idleness. You are so rich, so wealthy, so much food, 
everything is there for you. You start to get bored. You start to get bored. Even with all the wealth that you have, it's not enough. But you do the thing that is unthinkable. Try to entertain yourself. And so they go from one depravity to the next depravity to the next depravity. Sin becomes exceedingly sinful. At the end of the day, the city was complete, total depravity. Proverbs 14.31 said it this way. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. But he, is, he who is gracious to the needy honors him. They did not strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Matter of fact, if they are willing to do the unthinkable act to these two strangers, what else was happening prior to that day? Do you see the depravity of the city? Verse 15, angels urge Lot to hurry. Arise, take your wife, your daughters who are here, lest you consume by the punishment of the city. He said, go, you need to go fast. Everything happened fast, because God's about to bring down the fire. God's going to judge the city, because it's, it, has, it has way past. But we find Lot in a very interesting state. If somebody comes to my, if God appears to you today, if angel come down to you and say to you, you need to get out of Houston. I mean, like, cosmic, like supernatural. Angels with the wings, I don't think they had the wings, but come through the air and say, you need to get out of this city because God's about to destroy the city. You will move fast. You will not think twice. You will not hesitate. You will move very, very fast. But here, in verse 16, what's happening here? And while he lingered, what do you mean, linger? What, what you mean? God's about to destroy the city, and you're taking your precious time? How, what in the world? What are you doing, man? You need to get out of here. And so much so, and you see later in verse 17, escape for your life. It's like multiple times the angel is like calling this dude. Sorry to call him dude, but that's how we characterize. He's telling Lot, move. What are you doing? Escape. What are you doing? Why are you still here? And then he, they just got tired of it. Angel just took the hold of the last hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of two daughters. Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him on the outside of the city. Lord did it rescued again, right? But they put him outside of the city, but is that it? Supernatural. Multiple times. They, they have witnessed this themselves, but still we see in verse 18, because angel tells them, escape, and escape to the mountain, lest you be destroyed. And here is the response, please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight. Yeah, I, okay, we get it. And you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me, saving my life, but I cannot escape to mountains. Oh, the climb I have to do. Oh, the plane is so perfect. 
Oh, I don't want to climb the mountain, Lord. Can I just go to that little city over there? Which Zoar means little one, little city. The angel got tired. I said, okay, just go. <laughs> just go. I will not destroy. Hurry, escape there in verse 22. For I cannot do anything until you arrive there. And this is very important. Very important for us to recognize. Why is angels protecting Lot? Is that because Lot was so great? Something to consider. But this is what Lot does. He said, I cannot escape to the mountains. But I don't think it was just a physical thing. Because he was a shepherd his entire life. He was a nomad. He walked a lot. He can climb mountains, believe me. He can do it. He refused to do it. And I believe there's one reason for that. What the text is not giving us in full, but I believe this is what he's saying. I cannot go back to my uncle. I don't want to go back to Abraham. Angels gave Lot and his family way out. All they had to do was humble themselves and go back to his uncle. Isn't that funny how that was previously too? When they were at, Lot was at the Sodom and Sodom got ransacked and they lost the war and they were captured and they became a slave. And who rescued them? Abraham. But there is no conversation. You can go and read for yourself. There's no conversation between Abraham and Lot. There's something there. Was it a pride? Was it shame? Was it pride? I don't know about you. Sometimes it is better to humble yourself and admit your wrong. It is better to humble yourself and admit your wrong than try and try and try to do it your own way. And that's what we see here. I'm going to go fast here, guys. In verse 25, he overthrew those cities, all the plain, and after they arrived to Zohar, and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground, it was a total destruction. It was total annihilation of the place, not even the ground. Even the ground was struck. In verse 26, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I think that's a topic for later times. Be sure everybody has a question about that. Talk to me afterward. In uh, Abraham, verse 27, the story shifts. And Abraham went early in the morning to a place where he had stood before the Lord. And then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like a smoke of a furnace. What's happening in this moment? Abraham probably was worry sick all day. Probably tossed and turned all night. even though Lot, his nephew, didn't treat Abraham as he should, with honor and respect, with gratefulness. Abraham still treats his nephew like one of his sons. 
And we see that very clear even in the story of a prodigal son, how father used their children to embrace them, to care for them, to pray for them. They're longing, I hope you come back one day. And so he stand in the place where the Lord, he spoke with the Lord, and he see the black smoke. And what's going through the mind? It's not okay. Did he make it out? Oh, I hope I see him again. He intercedes for his nephew and the city, even though in any form doesn't deserve it. Because we know the wickedness and the things of the Sodom. They don't deserve it. And we can be the judge real quick, can we? We look at the depravity of the world and we can say, well, you know, they don't need a prayer. Here are a few things for us to consider. We are called to intercede. As a people of God who have experienced the grace of our loving Father, our job is not to judge the world. We have been given a duty to pray and intercede for the world. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Lot. We see Moses interceding for the children of Israel. We see Jesus now interceding for us. In Isaiah 53, 12, it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. First, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And now, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, but this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desire all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For these is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We are called to intercede. We're called to intercede for this city. We're called to intercede for this state, this country, and the world. Our job is to intercede. That God's word will go out. The saving knowledge of the beautiful gospel will go out and save a life of those who do not know God. Number two, battle of the two worlds. There is a cosmic battle that is taking place right now. You don't see it, it's happening as we speak. It is a kingdom of light versus kingdom of darkness. The war is being waged every single day. And as a children of light, what do we do when we are in those dark places? Should we run from it? 
but the light that is in you is what darkness needs. You must understand that God has entrusted His light in you. Would you take that responsibility and take it seriously to be the salt and light? 1 John 2, 15 to 17, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away. And the world is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Don't settle for temporal satisfaction live for the eternal enjoyment with God. Finally, God is righteous and just. When we read our text today, you may be wondering, it may be a little too harsh. It was a little tough, maybe. But what this story gives us is it gives us a picture of God who is righteous and just. That God will not let injustice be ignored. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice, a God of truth, without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank You this morning for your word. Thank you for who you are, God. Righteous judge you are. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters here today, the saints of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, as they go today, let them leave with encouragement knowing that, Lord, you are with them and you are for them and you have called them to be the light in the world. I pray that as they go, God, that you encourage their mission, as they share the hope, the message of a salvation of our Lord. I pray that, Lord, you give them boldness to share. Encourage them, God. Give them courage. In the moment, there are so many voices. I thank you. I ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.